Welcome to the Valley of the Suns podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Gerald Borgay. Welcome, Valley boys and girls, to another episode of the Valley of the Suns podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. I'm your host, Gerald Borgay, and we've got a great show for you today. Um, we've got a lot of good stuff to talk about after the Suns took down the Bucks last night. And with me, I've got a special guest. He is part of the podcast team over at The Athletic. He's one of my favorite guys from the Suns media room last year. And uh, he also is my daily friendly reminder to make sure that I'm drinking water on Twitter. Trevon Edwards, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me, G. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate you hopping on. Um, Trey was on the Suns beat with me last year and, uh, now he's over in Brooklyn. So he's covering the nets these days, but Trey, what, I mean, did, were you able to watch the Suns and the Bucks game last night? And, and what did you think of that big win they got? Oh man. First of all, you know, obviously the, the Bucks didn't have Drew Holiday, but I still think mm-hmm. that, you know, obviously this is still a good team. Um, Suns, man, you know, they kind of patched it up on a couple, a couple of things, you know, in the first quarter, it was high scoring. I, I think you had tweeted too also that like, you know, it's going to be a, a high scoring game possibly, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what the Suns did, tying it up at 32. Um, but then they got down 12 at half and they could have packed it in and been typical Suns fashion, but they competed, um, and then closed on the third quarter and 11 to run, um, mm-hmm. And then obviously to see that that end and, and, and come up on top, man, that's a big win. That's normally the third quarter is one of those Achilles heel things for them back in the yeah. day. And, and now they seem to put it together. They also have two closers. And uh, thank you for putting, you know, obviously shouts to Kellen too, um, in a situation where everybody was talking about um, we're in good shape at comedy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, I would live with Giannis taking a jump shot as well. So, I mean, it was, it was mm-hmm. a safe cushion. That's, that's, a, that's a shot that they would die for. Um, and it came on the result of a victory. And obviously it's been a long time. I think 2014 and 2015 that the Suns have been six games above. So, mm-hmm. you know, all smiles in Arizona, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, that was, uh, that was one of the better wins I can remember for the Suns in a while outside of the bubble. Um, you know, the, the Bucks hit like 13 threes in the first half mm-hmm. and the Suns, Monty was saying after the game that the Suns were kind of saying in the locker room at halftime, like we're only down 12. This could be a lot worse. We're still in this, which is kind of a, uh, a change in mentality from what we've seen from this team in the past when they've gotten down against a good team like this. Um, you know, Giannis dropped 47 and got to the foul line like 21 times and the Suns still kind of won. And, and it was the best part was that it was like built on their two best players, especially down the stretch, you know, Booker had 30 CP three had 28. Um, Those 58 points was tied for the most that they've combined for this season, which was, you know, you know, they haven't had nights where they've both been on the same page that often, but now they've won four straight and, you know, getting a primetime win is always good. So, I mean, I'm this, this kind of segues into our, my question for you is, what has stood out to you the most about this Suns team so far this season? Um, just handling adversity, um, guys just showing up and doing what they're supposed to do. Um, but also the, the leadership of Chris Paul as something mm-hmm. that, you know, that was kind of forced upon Devin and now Devin gets to just become Devin. And I've always kind of pushed that, that like, 
hey, maybe they should make a move for a guy that was strong in the locker room. And, and now you got that guy that owns up. I mean, there's been plenty of situations where they've lost games and Chris Paul's like, no, that was on me. I shouldn't have put that player in this position or, you know, this and that. And I think that they haven't had that since Steve Nash, you know, so it's, it's, a, it's a, a wonderful feeling to have and definitely a culture shift. I know Monty is, is thrilled to have Chris Paul there be a, a second coach on the floor and, and, and kind of push that. And I think that the sky's the limit for this team because Macau's playing better. You got guys that's just really enjoying it. And, you know, DeAndre taking con constructive criticism from the other guys. And then, you know, obviously Book hasn't been scoring a ton of points like we normally would expect him to do, but he has been, you know, playing pretty well. I think this is probably him and Chris Paul probably last night put together one of their best games this season. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you touched on the CP3 thing as far as the leadership goes, because he's been great. You can just see him on the floor, like in between plays, the way he's constantly talking to guys, especially DeAndre Ayton, who's, as you noted, been really open to that kind of constructive criticism. Because um, heading into this, you know, CP3 is a guy, he expects a lot from you. He demands a lot from his teammates. And Ayton, you know, this kind of, that kind of constant talking with a guy like that could really wear on your mental, but he's been very open to it. He's been receptive. And for the most part, he's kind of uh, internalized it and it's shown up in his play. Um, and another thing was on that similar note, like Jay Crowder has also been good in that kind of role for this team too, um, which I, I thought he would be a very, you know, experienced player to add to this team, but he's been very vocal as far as um, like last night when there was a foul in the third quarter, I think Devin Booker thought it was a shooting foul and everybody was getting on the refs and Jay Crowder was just kind of clapping and saying like, next play onto the next play. Like, let's go, let's play. And that kind of thing is huge for a young team that's kind of used to not getting the benefit of the whistle all the time and they're used to complaining about stuff um so just kind of getting them on that next page has been huge um for me the thing that stood out to this team is is like they're 15 and 9 they've won seven of their last eight and they could be even better if they hadn't had a couple of collapses you know they had that Pistons loss where they were up by 23 and they lost an OT. They had a narrow Grizzlies loss. They had two overtime losses to the Nuggets. Um, one of which Jamal Murray hit like a game tying shot at the buzzer that he kind of traveled on. Um, they blew a 17 point lead to the Thunder. Like they're, they've let a lot of teams back into games because they had that shortened training camp and they're integrating all these new guys, but they could be better than they are right now. Um, and they haven't been as great in crunch time as we've kind of expected. I think they're a minus six overall in like 79 crunch time minutes, which is the most in the NBA. So I'm interested to see where this team goes because it feels like they haven't even reached their peak yet and they're starting to get acclimated to me. Yeah, Jay Crowder is important. He is one of the guys that, you know, has been the well-traveled season and able to do – you know, do things um, in, in that situation. And like you mentioned, him telling Devin to like, come on, mm -hmm. those are the experiences that he's already experienced that he had other vets around him to say, you know, don't get so hung up on one play because that one play is, doesn't make the game. Let's get it back and, and stay in the game. And, and I think that's very helpful. Absolutely. Um, so that kind of also segues into my next question for you. Because you look at the top of the West and it's pretty stacked with those three teams that are there. The Jazz are at the very top, surprisingly. They're 20 and five. 
they've gone on like a 16 and one tear since they started four and four. Um, and then you've got the Lakers and the Clippers as everyone kind of expected. Um, where do the Suns kind of stack up in that Western hierarchy for you? And do you think that they could be a legitimate threat to that trio that we see at the top of the West? Um, so I originally, I think before, I think I had them at seven, mm. um, but they're looking a little bit more top four. Yeah. On the outside, looking at that top three, um, mm. could be a scary first round matchup for most of those heavy, high, high power teams, Clippers, mm. Lakers. Um, you know, and you think about it, maybe a tough matchup and team that you don't want to see because obviously Chris Paul and, and the vets and what they can do. Um, mm. I, I like that for them, um, for an upset or something like that, but it's still got a long way to go because Lakers right now are still playing amazing basketball. They've right. had a bunch of challenges that will prep them for the playoffs. Um, and for the Suns, you know, um, health is key. Yeah. And then also just being able to put together games like they did last night. Yeah, I felt like that was a big, you know, Booker said after the game, he didn't feel like it was a statement win, but it was just something that they're capable of. Um, and I'm kind of inclined to maybe agree with him. I feel like it's very sudden, especially when we've been covering the beat for a few years and we know how bad this team has been capable of being. But, um, you know, you throw in guys like CP3, Crowder, and le legitimate bench depth. Like Kaminsky's been great for them this season. Um, you've got guys like Etwan Moore and Langston Galloway coming in and limited minutes with fluctuating minutes and then making an impact when they're in there. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I, I think they've kind of traversed you know, some COVID cases and, and some injuries early on, like, you know, Booker missed a few games with a hammy, Chris Paul missed a few games, Dario Saric has missed more than half the season, um, campaign's been out lately, so they've, they've got a lot of interesting depth, and I'm very interested to see where this team goes against those legitimate playoff teams, because so far, you're right, they, they do look like a top four team, um, nobody's going to be picking them to, you know, knock off the Lakers or the Clippers or something like that, but yeah. they could be a legitimate threat, especially if Chris Paul and Devin Booker get on the same page come playoff time. Yeah. If they can continue to, you know, both contribute on the offensive end and, and keep games close. And also, you know, just with, with, with the other acts of other players stepping up, they definitely could shock some teams, you know, I mean, and, and, and beat them, but, Again, it all has it all has to has to click right in, and I think that their chemistry is growing, and they enjoy playing with each other. So, um, I wouldn't count them out. That is definitely true. They do seem to like each other, which is a good thing for a, a franchise that hasn't always been known for that kind of locker room cohesion, especially in recent years. Um, but I think that's going to wrap it for Suns Talk today. We're going to take a quick break and be right back after this. Okay, so for our G-rated segment today, we're going to talk about Malcolm and Marie, which just hit Netflix. Um, I don't know about you, but I had some mixed thoughts about this movie. I, I thought the acting was superb. Um, Zendaya and John David Washington were really great in this movie. But I'm also, I'm, I'm sort of struggling to figure out what the point of the movie was at the end of the day. What, what did you think of this movie, Trey? Um, so I got some slack for my feedback, um, but I do want to go back and change a few things now that I get to podcast yeah. <laughs> again about it. That's the beauty of podcasting sometimes. Um, I, I think, you know, obviously 
you know, it was more so a reflection of people that are in relationships and kind of telling the story of most people that can identify with these type of arguments or these mm-hmm. disagreements of being in serious relationships and your partner, um, you know, and just, it just touches on every aspect. And I think Zendaya did a great job. I thought John David Washington did a very good job. I compared him to Tim Hardaway Jr., which is very disrespectful. <laughs> Maybe want to compare him to uh, being... Demontis Sabonis and his dad being Arvidas Sabonis, maybe. Okay. Because, you know, Zendaya is LeBron right now. Nobody's yeah. really touching her. Um, yep. She smoked her performance. She had some inception going on where it was, mm-hmm. you know, performance in, in, into another performance, um, yeah. which was very selling. And I think she'll probably win an award for that. Um, but for the most part, uh, looking at it, um, it's it's just relatability. You know what I mean? Like you got, you got a director who's egotistical and self-centered you know, and, and, and feels all this other stuff. And then you have a talented, uh, you know, a talented uh, girlfriend, fiance of whatever place that, I mean, title that she had. Mm. Um, and she, you know, sometimes you overlook or you forget your partner who's been there from the beginning or, you know what mm. I mean? The inspiration. And she was the inspiration of the story. And she also was a damn good actress who could have played that part, which he chose another person. And, you know, it's just kind of also being your own, your own enemy. And when I say the own enemy, it was times he could have ended this conversation, but just would (laughs) not, could not, not have the last word. And sometimes it just was all in his head and those situations were just kind of blowing him to a point where, you know, where he was trying to um, have relations with his girl and then brought up another topic that just triggered something else. You know what I mean? So, um, it was an interesting conversation for two hours um, yeah. and definitely, you know, shot in black and white, which is different, not normally what we've seen mm-hmm. um, and focused on one set. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you got certain situations like that, but I, I thought it was very helpful um, for those. And, you know, hopefully it didn't cause another argument with you and your girl watching it. But <laughs> yeah. Definitely helpful. Yeah. I mean, that was, uh, that was the one thing I took away from the movie was it made me feel personally better about a lot of the relationships I've ever had yeah. you know uh, that was uh it, it was interesting because it it's very monologue heavy so it like sucks you in especially because they're both like on top of their craft in this performance like when they get rolling in what they're saying and some of these vicious things that they're saying to each other or these rants that mm-hmm. like the one that John David Washington had about the the white girl at the LA Times was mm-hmm. I mean he was just like in it so it it sucks you in but it's also kind of a a heavy watch because a lot of the things that they're saying to each other are just you know nasty things that you yeah, would never exactly. want to say to your partner right um and then that was my my thing was it it felt like if this were like a, a like a season finale of a TV show and we had more context into their relationship and it had kind of built up to this final falling out type thing. I feel like that would have made more sense to me, but without that context, it was kind of, um, it was hard to draw anything deeper from it. Cause you know, it touches on so many things. It touches on like just the nature of film critics of, like the relationship between artists and their muses, between mm-hmm. relationships in general, like you were talking about. Um, but a lot of it felt like it was more concerned with the way it was sounding than what it was actually trying to say, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, like, it, like it had all the sizzle, but not as much on the stake 
Um, and, and that's, you know, it was incredibly well shot and the way that it, like the black and white was a nice touch. Mm-hmm. Um, even the credits at the beginning, the way they like list out like a good chunk of the cast, like in these golden age kind of films that Malcolm talks about in the movie. Mm-hmm. I liked all those little touches, but it, it's kind of a, a heavy watch. Did you like feel overwhelmed kind of watching it at any point or feel like the need like maybe i need to take a break because this is getting pretty dense here. yeah it's, it's very cringing because i just i'm personally just not like into arguments and stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> so you know i just kind of like grateful that i've never been in that type of situation or mm-hmm. that i'm not that type of person that just puts that much energy into a debate or conversation yeah so um yeah, I just was kind of checking the timestamp of like how much longer do I have of this? But yeah. it really isn't bad. Like I said, it's no, it's informative, it's helpful, um, it tells a story, mm-hmm. and you know, and a lot of people can relate to it. But I personally, you know, just wasn't it wasn't my favorite. Yeah, it's very like you're saying, it's engrossing, and and the characters are both interesting. There's only the two of them, obviously, but. You've got Malcolm, who's the narcissistic, like self-absorbed. Um, she calls him a, a, at one point an emotional fucking terrorist. Like it's, he's very, he's you know very excited about his movie, but he's also so wrapped up in his own thing that he doesn't realize the ways that he's neglecting his partner. And then you've got Marie, who's very more. She's straightforward. She's sharp-tongued. She's to the point, um, but she's also like vulnerable and tender, which it's hard to balance those two things and Zendaya did it incredibly well. Um, But the one thing that stood out to me was there was a line in the movie um, that kind of, I feel like inadvertently summed it up for me um, when he's talking about the LA times critic, he says, she's not looking at the film, the ideas in it, the emotions or the craft cinema doesn't need a message. It needs to have heart and electricity. And I felt like that's kind of, that was kind of the, unintentional thesis of this movie like I I don't know if if it like spoke to any greater truths as much for me but it definitely had that electricity from scene to scene and and uh maybe we're just trying to look for too much from a movie that kind of comes off as like Oscar bait like this Mm -hmm. um but it it was entertaining it's just I I don't know uh other than making me feel better about my past relationships (laughs) I don't know how much I'm going to take from it yeah, like I say, it's just it's just more so drawing up emotion stuff and triggering stuff. So, um, but that's that that's what the good movies is. If you can if you can leave it if you can leave it with emotion, then you mm-hmm. know that means that that means it, it was it's watchable. Yeah, it's it's definitely watchable and it's worth checking out if you have not seen it yet. Um, for my G rating for this, I'm probably gonna give it a seven out of ten. I think there was just too much great acting on display for it to be any worse than that um even though i didn't it's not a movie i would probably pick to watch again um what what, what kind of score would you give this movie i'm gonna double down with you and be close about 7.3 something like okay that. there we go yeah. <laughs> yeah um well that's probably gonna do it for our g rating segment next week we're gonna touch on judas and the black messiah which hits hbo max um Tomorrow we're form- we're fil- recording this on Thursday, so it's going to hit Friday. Looking forward to that one for sure. Uh, Trey, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast. Really appreciate having you. Tell the people where they can uh, find your work. Uh, you can find my work on Twitter at Travon T R A V O N N E, and then on Instagram 
at T-R-A-V-O-N-N-E-E-D-W-A-R-D-S. Thanks again, G. Yeah, absolutely. And, and make sure to go and follow Trey. He's great. Um, he's got a big Twitter following. And like I said, we all need that daily reminder that we need to be drinking our water. So appreciate you for that, man. (laughs) Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the Valley of the Suns podcast. Please, uh, you know, follow, subscribe, tell your friends, write me a review with a couple of shows or movies you've been watching recently until next time. This is Joe Borgay signing off.